Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for us. From the ultimate girl bomb grip to the professional grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girl Bomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb, available at Walgreens. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. The 76ers definitely had their eyes on a target in the first round of this year's draft, and they got him, Matisse Thibel, out of Washington. I don't think you guys understand the athlete that you're getting. He didn't do a lot of workouts in the draft. I will guarantee he will turn heads, and you guys, is the first thing that he's on the floor, they will say, wow, I didn't know it was like that. Then in the second round, the club grabbed another veteran prospect, Mariel Shaft. He's made great jumps in the last two years. Now he's going to have more time to put into it as what he can do the next couple years. We talked to two coaches of the Sixers, two draft picks on this episode of the broadcast. A busy draft night it was for the 76ers. They entered the evening with five picks, ended it with two, but no doubt they believe in the guys they got. Matisse Thibel, at the 20th slot, and Mariel Shayok at pick number 54. I'm Brian Seltzer. Hope you are doing great. Thank you, as always, for checking out the podcast. We're going to speak with Will Conroy, a former NBA player who also played at the University of Washington, and he coached Thibel there the last four years as an assistant. And also Steve Prohm, the head coach at Iowa State, who had Mariel Shayok in his program last season. Before we get started, some reminders that to find our podcast, you can go to just about any podcasting platform that's out there, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, type in Sixers Podcast Network, and that will take you to our feed, and please do subscribe if you have not yet done so already. Conversations with Will Conroy and Steve Prohm coming up. But first, I wanted to play back some sound from draft night, or what became early the next day draft morning, (laughs) going from Thursday, June 20th into Friday, June 21st. It was a long night for general manager Elton Brand and the 76ers just because they had to wait for the trade call with the Boston Celtics to be finalized before they could formally announce that they had acquired Matisse Thibel with the 20th overall pick. The Sixers also got Mariel Shayok, a guy who they had in for a workout at the start of the pre-draft period. So here's Elton Brand, the night of the draft, talking about the 76ers' two acquisitions, Thibel 
and Shayok. Matisse, eventually, it's going to take time, but I, I see him cracking that, that, that front end of our rotation. Mario, he's definitely going to be part of our organization. We look forward to him you know, being a part of us. He, they're, they're young, they're talented, so I, I, I feel good about it. Both Thibel and Shayok do seem to have some parallel traits and characteristics, 3 and D, veteran college players, high-character guys. Certainly Thibel, well-known for his defense, the National Defensive Player of the Year last season in his final go-round at Washington, led the country with 126 steals. He had a top-10 individual defensive rating in Division I NCAA. So Thibel, he is ready for this next step. It has been quite the journey for him, and he reflected on that upon his arrival at the training complex last Friday. It might feel even more like a dream now, like walking through the facility. I mean, it's, it's crazy to say because you, I mean, you always imagine you dream of being in this position, but to actually be there is, is pretty surreal. Thibel, in the limited time that we were around him here in Camden last week, he just always seemed to be smiling. Amazing. Kid with great perspective and a skill set that the 76ers really like. You could say the same about Mariel Shayok as well. He started his college career at UVA under Tony Bennett. He then transferred in 2017, sat out that season while with Iowa State, got on the court last year and had a breakout season. So here's Shayok shortly after arriving at the Sixers facility. Playing for UVA and Iowa State uh, was definitely a blessing. Uh, playing under two great coaches and, and great programs, I was able to learn and uh, hopefully I could use those, both of those experiences uh, and take it to the next level. Between Shayok and Thibel, 76ers feel they've got a couple players who might be able to compete for spots in the rotation that can certainly be said for the number 20 pick, Thibel. Why don't we bring on right now a guy who coached him all four years at Washington between two coaching staffs, Lorenzo Romar first for Thibel's freshman and sophomore seasons, and then most recently, Mike Hopkins for Thibel's junior and senior campaigns. His name is Will Conroy. He was an all-time great playing at Washington. He then was in the pros in the NBA, overseas, had a front office stint with the Minnesota Timberwolves, and he is now an assistant coach with Washington. All right, Will, why don't you tell us about Matisse? What I'll say is off the court, you are getting a guy who is – um, if if you're looking for a guy that you would be okay to date your daughter, that would be Matisse Tyrell. There's no higher praise than that. I mean, he is honorable as they come. I've never seen him see the line and down and back. Even if he doesn't get the time that you would like him to get, he just rather do it right, you know, every single time than to 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 try to cheat it. And that's who he is. He's a he's a stand up guy for things that's right. He doesn't hesitate to speak his mind if, if he doesn't think guys are doing the right things. Um, he's a giver. He wants to see everyone around him do well. And uh, he, he's just an unbelievable kid. It really seems in the little time that we've gotten to be around him here in Philadelphia, he has the complete package from an intangible standpoint, from a skill set standpoint. And I'm sure you guys noticed this, too, in Washington. To me, the, the first thing that jumps out to me is the guy never stops smiling. He is smiling all the time. Oh, yeah, he's appreciative, man. He is, you know, for Matisse, he's, you know, he came in here. The guy played center in high school. He's a center at Eastside Catholic High School. And, you know, when we took him here, you know, he, he, he kind of didn't understand what we wanted from him, he didn't understand. And when he first got here, I told him, I said, Matisse, 
at some point you could be the best defensive player in the country. And he kind of fought it. He kind of fought us on it. You know, he kind of wanted to, to score. He did the, the position for him was raw, like playing the guard was raw. So he would go too fast sometimes or go too slow. He was just trying to figure it out. But what we knew is if it ever clicked, uh, then the world would see what we saw. And uh, by middle of his sophomore year, you know, he really starts stacking those steals up and he started having fun playing defense. Junior year, took off playing defense. And senior year, obviously, everybody found out about him. So it was a pretty big time to watch his maturation. And the kids just – that's why he's always smiling. He's like – he almost like, I can't believe all this has happened for me. Totally. And it was just a really neat moment to see him and his father embrace when they got to the 76ers training complex. And his dad had the same vibe about him. He just looked around and was like, wow, I cannot believe that this dream finally came to fruition. I mean, there's no doubt the 76ers targeted Matisse because of his defensive capabilities. Elton Brand called him the best wing in the draft. I wanted to ask you – two-pronged question about the defense with Matisse going back to what you just said you had the vantage point of seeing him for his entire career at Washington what initially did you guys see in him that led you to believe that he could evolve the way he did defensively and then how did you ultimately sell him on it how did you make playing that side of the floor fun for him something that he could buy into well automatically his he his athleticism jumps off the charts you're uh, talking about a guy who was agile as anyone in the draft, can jump as high as anyone probably besides Zion in the draft, and his instincts are ridiculous. I mean, you talk about a, a cornerback that can cut off one side of the field. <laughs> Literally, teams would not run their offense if it had if he was on the side of the zone. He, they would not run their off. They would not initiate offense that way. And you knew it was bad when at practice he was he was still the ball from the our backup point guard who's playing with him all year. Um, so you start to see that stuff and you're like, man, that's not normal. And then for me, you know, I'm having a chance to play, be around some of the top athletes in the world uh, playing in the pros. When I start to see some of his athletic uh, ability, I was like, man, that dude's one of the most athletic people in the world. Not just, <laughs> not just basketball. And then our track coach came from Texas. I mean, our uh, strength coach came from Texas, and he was working with track at at, Techle- at Texas. And then when he said this, and I was like, okay, I thought I was I, – I knew I wasn't crazy. The track coach says, if I train Matisse for a month, he can win a decathlon. No, really? Uh, he, he said he is in that percentage of athlete in the world. Amazing. Because over I don't he- think you guys understand the athlete that you're getting, like, because he hasn't, he didn't, he didn't do a lot of workouts uh, for the draft. I will guarantee he will turn heads, and you guys, is the first thing that he's on the floor, they will say, "Wow, I didn't know it was like that." It's interesting because there are a couple things that were going on here in the run-up to the draft. Not only, like you said, did Matisse not do a ton of workouts. For the fans here in Philadelphia, they also didn't have a ton of opportunities to see you guys, the Huskies, play over the past couple of years because of the time zone difference and all that. So I think that has added to the intrigue surrounding mm-hmm. Matisse's profile as well. His instincts, how did you fine-tune those over the course of his time with the team defensively? You know what? Uh, you don't really get a chance to fine tune him. What you do is you watch film with him, and you and you let him see, like, uh, because he's so good at it, and and it, he creates so much havoc that 
you know, he takes chances. And when you take chances, sometimes you, he can hurt the he can hurt us in a in a position where he can put us in a position. But it got to a point, to be honest with you, it got to a point where we were just like, let Matisse be Matisse, and then we all just cover for him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't you don't try to put a bottle cap on that. <laughs> it's something that Brett Brown with the Seventy Sixers he talked about this past season with a guy like Jimmy Butler. Yeah, there's rules within the defense, but sometimes when you have someone who's got the gifts and the sense and the anticipation, you just let them run their own course to a certain degree and, like you said, cover ground where you need to cover ground. There's no question. And he's got the speed and the agility to do it. I mean, the guy, another thing that we have, we have a mild test. And uh, this, is another, this is another thing. We had a mild test. Now, in this mild test, we, the guards have to make it in 530. The bigs have to make it in 535. That's our, that's our season um, opener to tell if the guys have been working out or the guys are in shape. I made the mile in five. My fastest time was 5.15. Nate Robinson was five, like 13, 5.12. Okay, we kind of helped. I think maybe one guy broke the record, which was like 5.09. Matisse made the mile in 4.55. Wow. <laughs> That's outrageous. <laughs> 4.55. And as he finished, the guy just walked off. He, like, he didn't bend over. He just walked off like, ooh, that was kind of tough. <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, he does seem, and again, this is just first impressions on this end, like a guy who really can't be phased by much. Obviously, everything that he's gone through on the personal side of things, um, he seems to have a great maturity about him, someone who can uh, persist and persevere. Um, We heard from his father uh, the day he was introduced with the 76ers after the draft, and his dad said that their family has this acronym, GDI, Goddamn Individual, which is to mean... You know, they raised Matisse to try and be this independent person, someone who can be proactive and find his own way. That mm-hmm. seems like it's carried through in a bunch of different aspects of his life. No, there's no question. He is a, he is a guy who's not going to follow the trend. Um, if he doesn't feel like, if he doesn't feel like it, it, it's beneficial to him, that's just not his way. You know, he, he's just going to do what he believes is right in his heart. He's just going to do that. And uh, you know, his dad always said he's his mother's child, and she was a, a super giver, and she just wanted everybody around her to be great. And dad always says that's his, that's, that's his mother's child. <laughs> he said, the, yeah, said the exact same thing when we sat down with him. Um, tell me about the transition that Matisse made along with the rest of the team when you guys went from the defensive system you ran under Coach Romar to what Coach Hopkins implemented with the zone. Well, and it, this is a, a. I'm glad you asked this question. Everyone before the draft, I, I took so many calls from NBA teams. They said, "Do you think he can guard at the NBA level?" And I said, "Well, Matisse played man to man his first two years. He led the team in steals both years. Right. Uh, played man to man. His second year, he led the conference in steals, playing man to man. Now, the only person that beat him his freshman year, I believe, was Gary Payton, uh, GP2. So." Uh, the zone just gave him a home. You know, the, the zone just put him in a home where he could kind of just sit back and read eyes. So that's when you see his numbers just double up. You know, man-to-man, you're more responsible for a guy. Um, the, the zone just kind of gave him a, a home to just, like, really wreak havoc. 
Everyone focuses on the defensive side of the game for Matisse, understandably so, given what he did. What were your impressions of him as far as his offensive development over the last four years? Well, it's great for Matisse that the NBA game has transitioned into, you know, if you're not, if you're not, uh, um, listen, let's say in you guys' case of Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, someone who's going to have the ball in their hands, you know, the majority of the game, uh, you want guys who can make an open shot, who can drive a closeout, uh, who can make a right decision with the ball, and a guy who can guard the game. The NBA has just transitioned that way. So as the NBA starts transitioning that way, I thought Matisse would be a gold product for any team. <laughs> and that's, he can do that. He can make open shots. He can drive the closeout and finish above the rim. And then he can guard. He can switch one through three, one through four in the, in the NBA game. So, you know, you see guys like Trevor Ariza, who I'm really close to. I mean, Matisse isn't six nine, six eight like Trevor, but I mean, he's got a seven one wingspan with a forty one inch vertical at six six. So, not a bad profile to have. <laughs> not at all. And you're a guy who you not only had a terrific career playing for Washington, you were in the pros in the NBA in the G League overseas. You had some time in the front office within the league as well. What did you learn over the course, and what do you continue to learn over the course of your career in basketball about what makes a prospect the college level? What sets a prospect up the college level to have a solid to good, great pro career? Well, you kind of see uh, what you look for is you look for um, – you look for fit, you know, either you're going to be either the NBA team like you as a star, uh, you know, usually those guys are guys who that thing is kind of decided when they were, were juniors and seniors in high school, you know, they start saying, well, this guy is going to be a franchise of an NBA team. But then you have those guys who develop out of nowhere, you know, and, and really can help a team. And when I seen that with Matisse, I seen his, how he progressed, I said, that dude's going to be an NBA basketball player. And then as the years went on and got further and further, I said, that dude's going to be in the NBA for a long time. You know, as, he, as his skills start to refine, you start to say, oh, now I, I can really see where he can, he can stand. And, and obviously the NBA game has transitioned into a more of a, a, a one guy has the ball, another guy's option B, and that option C guy, C and D guy are very instrumental on how you win. Because, you know, they have to be able to make open shots to keep the defense uh, uh, honest. And he can do that. And he can, like I said, he can play defense on the other end. So when you start to see that, you, he, he becomes gold to teams. And that's why I knew he, he'd, be a, he'd be a solid pick, draft pick. 76ers said going into the draft they were looking for a mature college prospect to acquire in the draft this year. How do you think Matisse, having been in college, a starter for 135 games for you guys, how do you think that will benefit him and also the 76ers? I think um, it will really benefit the 76ers. Obviously, I'm real familiar with you guys' personnel. Um, Tony Roten was there, who's like a brother of mine, a little brother of mine. And then you Still a legend Hill. in Philadelphia, Tony Roten is, you know. <laughs> and, I spent some, and I spent some time with, uh, a lot of time with uh, Markel Folds. So I'm, I've been familiar with you guys' personnel for the last few years, maybe five or six years. So I, I know he can do what you, what you need him to do. Um, I know you guys made a good player out of Robert Covington. And I thought Co- Covington was really solid defensively, but Matisse can actually, like, turn heads defensively. 
Like it's, it actually becomes laughable, the things that he does. Some high praise from one of Matisse Thibel's assistant coaches in college, someone who's involved in breaking him in to the Huskies from his freshman year, Will Conroy, a former NBA player and also a player at Washington as well. Appreciate him taking a few moments to talk about Matisse on the podcast. We'll hear from Steve Prohm about Mariel Shayok in just a second. But wanted to hit you with this reminder, registration currently open for 76ers Camps presented by Rothman Orthopedics and powered by ESF. Go to 76ersCamps.com for all the information. One week, two week, three week, and four week session registration opportunities are available right now. You can take video tours of the dorm rooms at the various facilities that 76ers Camps are being held at throughout the Delaware Valley. There's such a great track record for success. And even more important, enjoyment for campers at 76ers Camps. Go to 76ersCamps.com to learn more. It's 76ers Camps presented by Rothman Orthopedics and powered by ESF. Mariel Shayok acquired by the 76ers with the 54th pick in last Thursday's draft. Let's hear from the guy who coached him last year at Iowa State when he broke out for a ridiculously efficient and impressive season. Steve Prohm is the head coach of the Cyclones. I think you're getting a great, great person, uh, great family, uh, great character, uh, extremely hard worker, fun to be around, and he's an everyday guy, uh, you know, humble, thankful, uh, but he's his best quality. I think he's just he's an he's a phenomenal worker, and he's going to be great for the culture there. How did you first connect with Mariel? How did he first come on your radar? You know, obviously, I had three great years at Virginia. Uh, obviously, great great respect for Virginia and and Tony Bennett's one of the elite coaches uh, in the country. Uh, but I think Mario, you know, kind of got to a point there was like, you know, how do I kind of take the next step? Uh, to get seen a little bit more and, and, and play at a different pace offensively. And so he kind of bet on himself. And, you know, after three years, we actually played him in the Sweet 16 in 2016. Um, and his Virginia team ended up getting beaten in the Elite Eight. But you know, he had won a couple of championships. He had, you know, been to Elite Eight. And so he decided to transfer. And uh, we jumped on him right away and, and thought um, – Maybe we, he would go to Providence. We were a little nervous about that, but there's a rule. You know, he had originally had signed with Marquette, and there's a rule you can't double up in the Big East. Once you sign with Big East school, you can't sign with another one. And so he had a really good relationship with Ed Cooley, but, um, you know, we were able to really recruit him hard and get him here, and he ended up visiting here, and then he ended up visiting Liberty, which Richie McKay's there who coached him at Virginia, you know, for a while as an assistant. And uh, we got him, and – you know, he sat out and had a tremendous sit-out year and then obviously a terrific, terrific senior year for us. So what goes on behind the scenes during that redshirt transfer year, which was 2017-2018, that prepared him to make, at least on the superficial stat page, the type of jump that he did because the numbers last year with you guys were outstanding? Yeah, you know, there's a stat, and I don't have it in front of me, but I think since in 2009-2010, only eight players have had a stat line of this efficiency level, 18 and a half points, 48 from the field, 38 from three, 88 from the line. Um, only eight players in, since 2010. So that's a phenomenal feat in itself. But, you know, it's 1050 here right now uh, on a Wednesday. And if Mario was in school here right now still, 
and the gym light was on and there was a ball bouncing, you could bet your last dollar it was probably going to be Mario Sayak out there. Uh, and that's how he used his sit-out year. Uh, he got in the gym. I thought he really improved his three-point shot. His three-point percentage went up six or seven points. And percentage-wise, uh, he worked on, you know, pick-and-roll offense, being able to come off ball screens. And he's, uh, you know, he's got a he's got a good, you know, obviously he's, he's a good-looking kid from his upper body. He's, he's well put together, and he's got great length. But uh, he just put a lot of time in the gym uh, of getting better and, and, and really – you know, increasing his skill level and his shooting ability, and it really paid off for him as a senior. Did you see him as an NBA prospect when you first put eyes on him? I thought he was going to be a really good player for us. I actually have a, a coach here, Coach Hobbs, who's the head coach at Alabama when I was in school there, and I used to scout for the Jazz before he got here, and, and he was. we went back. He actually had a write-up on Mario um, because he had scouted him at Virginia, and so – um, I think he was a guy we thought, you know, because of his size, because of his ability to shoot the basketball and having great length defensively, that he would he, he would have a chance. You know, he would put himself in some conversation. And then going into senior year, the way he competed, the way he played, uh, being the you know MVP of the of the uh, the Big Twelve tournament, um, you know, winning a conference tournament championship, getting us back to the NCAA's. I think he got himself. If we really don't have a bad two or two, two to three, we had a bad two, three week stretch in February. If we don't have that stretch, he has a legit chance to be Big 12 player of the year. Putting up tremendous numbers last year, Mariel Shayok across the board. When you see the dynamics with him and how he fit in with his teammates, well, what's it like for a guy who comes in after three years at one school? Then the expectations probably were somewhere on the higher level, I would assume, for him going into his season with you guys. How did he go about fitting in with teammates? What type of teammate was he? I thought he was a great teammate. You know, I think he still stays in touch with the majority of these guys right now. I think you can tell when guys get drafted how excited these guys, talking to them, how excited they were for him. Uh, but I think Mario was really selfless. Uh, he put the work in. These guys, I think, respected his work ethic his attention to detail, his character. Uh, so a lot of guys really looked up to him. He's a fifth-year guy. You know, he's a fifth-year senior. He came here with a lot of success, a lot of experience, and I think that really helped our program last year get back to where we needed to be. He seems to really be a prideful guy as well. When he came into the 76ers for a pre-draft workout and we spoke with him, he referenced – being from Ottawa and being a, one of the first Ottawans to make it into the NBA. Did you get that vibe from him as well? The pride factor uh, takes him a long way? Yeah, I think a lot of those guys, uh, you know, we've had great success with Canadian kids here, you know, here in the last couple of years, and then back when Fred Hoiberg was here. And I think they all take a lot of pride, and I think everybody takes a lot of pride in representing their country, whether it's USA, Canada, um, whichever it may be. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, being from Ottawa, I think he takes a lot of, a lot of pride in that. And I think his family does too. And he's got a great family and I know they're really, really excited for him. You mentioned earlier seeing a potential fit for Mariel in your system at Iowa State. For some 76ers fans, even myself, who might not always see you guys play on television throughout the year, what did you think made the match work well, specific to what you guys do on offense and defense? Well, I just think offensively, his ability to space the floor with his shooting ability uh, was huge. You know, we play, I think, at a, we were ninth in the country last year in offensive efficiency. Uh, we were number one in our league uh, in assisted turnover ratio last year. 
Um, you know, we've been one of the top offensive teams over the last several years. And so just uh, the spacing concepts, I think he'll be familiar with a lot of the spacing uh, concepts, you know, some things offensively that you guys do uh, that I think his learning curve will be, he'll be able to handle all the learning curve that he's got to change and adapt to at the NBA level. But, you know, space the floor, give those guys a lot of freedom to make plays in space, make plays off pick and roll. Our biggest thing was, you know, how good can we share the ball and move the ball? And when we moved the ball well and the ball really was hopping around the floor, uh, we were really a tough tough cover and a tough guard because we put some other really good perimeter guys out there as well. Um, you know, but – and then Mario on def- defensive, I think the one thing he brings with his size is he can also rebound for you both offensively and defensively uh, on both ends. And that was big for us. He had, he had a couple, you know, some, some big rebounding games for us as well. Iowa State under your watch, putting a handful of players into the NBA. What have you found to be some of the keys to creating an atmosphere within a program to help prepare guys for that next step professionally, if that next step professionally is the NBA or somewhere else? Well, I just think it, it it's, you know, character, having great character and have a great work ethic and then being humble in the process. I think those are the three biggest things. And if you look at the guys that are in the NBA and having success for us right now, you know, George Niang with the Utah Jazz, Monte Morris with Denver Nuggets, just to name a couple. Um, you know, we've got a couple in Oklahoma City, Deontay Burton and Abdul Nader, and then, and then um, Naz Long is playing summer league with the Cavs. He was with the Utah Jazz on a two-way last year. Those guys' work ethic and their everyday ability to compete and get better was as good as I've been around. Uh, Matt Thomas uh, played for us. He's in Valencia, Spain, in the highest level over there, having a having a great, great run. Those guys, their character and their work ethic was off the charts. And I think that's what's given Mariel a chance to to get drafted and put himself in a position where hopefully he can help the Sixers, you know, get get to the conference finals or even further than that next year. Some of these guys, too, they have had some seasoned experience playing in the college game. From your standpoint as a college coach, one thing the 76ers were looking at, bringing in prospects this year who might be able to fill a role, jump in right away for an NBA team that's trying to compete for a championship. What's your view on how the accumulation of time reps at the NCAA level can affect the transition of a player to the pros, let's say the NBA, because that does seem to be the type of profile of a player the 76ers were searching for? Yeah, I think the great thing, uh, you know, for Mario is now, you know, you really look at, shoot, he doesn't have to, and he didn't have to, he was a fifth year, he had graduated, he had his three already, and he was taking some classes senior year, but now it's all basketball, and I think for a guy like him, that's terrific to where he can get in, he can watch film with the coaches, he can talk with them, he can get in with the workout guys, he can get his extra shots, and really get in there and, and learn and get better. Um, you know, I'm excited to see kind of, you know, he's made great jumps in the last two years. Now, now he's even have more time to put into it is what he can do the next couple of years. Obviously, with you know Coach Brown and his system and the people that they've got, you know, to push him. Um, I think he's found a really good home. And the great thing about it is you want these guys in places that they love hoops. And the first time I ever went to an NBA game, I was a young kid. I went to watch the Hawks and Sixers back with Irving and Tony and. Billy Cunningham. I, I grew up a diehard Sixers fan because I was, lived in Northern Virginia, and so I'm excited for him. 
So tell me a little bit more about that. How did you make the Sixers connection there? If it was Northern Virginia, is that not Bullets Country or Wizards Country for what it would be now? Or yeah, back 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 when I was growing up, there's Bullets. Uh, right. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it's Bullets. Uh, you know, as a couple, of, you know, Philly to, to to Northern Virginia is not far. Uh, and man, I just grew up. I was just Dr. J this, Dr. J that, and you know, we went to Philly. Uh, I never forget my dad surprised me. We went to Philadelphia to you know see the Liberty Bell and all the sights of Philadelphia. And he said, "Hey, I got your tickets. We're going to." Um, Spectrum, right? Hawks and, and you go to the Spectrum, and we're going to watch the Sixers tonight. And I, I swear, I still know the score. I think it, we we won in overtime, one twenty to one thirteen. I think it was, and this was I mean, this had to be years ago. I had to be nine, ten years old, I think. But uh, but it's you know the back, you know, it was Mo Cheeks and Tony and Cunningham and Moses Malone and Irving and you know Ivoroni and uh, all those guys. You know, obviously Billy Cunningham was coaching them, but. Um, uh, man, it was, that was a lot of fun. And, you know, and my dad liked the Celtics. So, you know, back then it was, you know, the Sixers Celtics trying to fight, you know, fight that battle. But, uh, Philly's a great sports town. I am a diehard Washington Redskins fan, so I don't like the Eagles, but, um, but I do, I do, uh, I do pull for the Sixers. <laughs> that is so great. An early instance of perhaps youthful rebellion. Son loves the 76ers. Dad, a fan of the Boston Celtics. That's terrific. Steve Prohm, head coach, Iowa State, had Mariel Shayok last season. Thanks so much for sharing a few stories and continued success with what you've got going on out there in Ames. Thanks, and good luck this year to you guys. How about that? Steve Prohm, Iowa State head coach, a 76ers guy. We love it. Love that he took a few moments to talk. Same can be said for Will Conroy, assistant coach at Washington for the story shared about Matisse Thibel. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Well, what do we got coming up in the immediate days ahead? Mm, something in my gut just tells me that uh, at around 6 o'clock on June 30th, there's going to be a lot of increased interest in what's going on in the NBA. When things become official on July the 6th, that is when we will be able to talk about it. But also next week, late next week, Summer League underway. 76ers' first game on the Summer League docket is going to be on Friday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Follow our social channels. We'll have you updates coming in from Vegas. All right. Talk to you next time here on the broadcast. See you. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive non-stop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination. So pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation. Do you have a digital mindset? Check out Season 3 of This is Digital. Season 3 of This is Digital goes behind the scenes to reveal how digital trends show up in everyday decisions and actions, including driving profitable growth in enterprise software and how the new sports fan experience can drive revenue. Featuring guests like Chris D'Agostino of Databricks and Scott Crable of Tama Bravo. Check out the latest and greatest on Season 3 of This is Digital and learn more at westmonroe.com.